Hello, this is Nikdha from Newslaundry.com bringing you your daily dose of news. Today is Wednesday, the 27th of January. India reported a little over 12,500 fresh COVID-19 cases in the last 24 hours, taking the overall COVID tally closer to the 1.08 crore or 10.8 million mark. A little over 130 fresh fatalities were recorded in the country in the last 24 hours and the total death count now stands at over 1,53,000. Covid testing across the country saw a drop as just under 6 lakh samples were tested nationwide compared to the average figure of nearly 10 lakh samples a day. And now for some covid updates from different states, the Maharashtra government has decided to bring the number of Mumbai local trains in operation back to its pre-covid figures from January 29th. The resumed services however will be limited only to those who were allowed to travel by the suburban railways during the various phases of unlocking. In Odisha, a 27-year-old healthcare worker died yesterday 3 days after taking the COVID-19 vaccine. The state health department however said that his death was not linked to the vaccine. Two minor cases of AEFIs or adverse effects following immunization were also reported in the state yesterday but they did not require hospitalization. Thousands of protesting farmers from a section of the farmers organizations entered Delhi yesterday straying from the Delhi police's designated timing and route for their Republic Day tractor rally. What followed later in the day was a violent escalation of a protest that has been mostly peaceful since it began at the borders of Delhi more than 2 months ago. On the eve of the rally, farmer leaders had insisted that they would carry out a peaceful march with about 150,000 tractors. They said that more than 3000 volunteers would ensure that the routes negotiated with the Delhi police would be followed. Bharat Kisan Union's Balbir Singh Rajewal said and I quote, "The trademark of this agitation has been that it's peaceful. My request to our farmer brothers to our youth is that they keep this movement peaceful. The government is spreading rumors, the agencies have started misguiding people. Be aware of it." On one side where the annual Republic Day festivities were underway in the heart of Delhi, thousands of farmers on their tractors and many afoot began entering the city before the 12 p.m. time allotted to them. Clashes erupted on some routes with the farmers, several armed with lathis breaking the police barricades and the police in turn using tear gas shells and batons on them. It all started early in the morning yesterday. The rally from Ghazipur border was to move right towards Anand Vihar as per the designated route. However, many tractors which broke away and left early got on the flyover to head towards Akshardham temple where they were met with tear gas shells as the police tried to stop them. Tractors pushed aside a shipping container that was blocking their route as the police stood by. Police and security force vehicles were also seen being vandalized. Volunteers including farmer leader Rakesh Tiket were seen directing tractors to get back on the designated route. Clashes between the farmers and the police unfolded on the routes ahead of the Singhu, Tikri and Chila borders too, where sections of the protesters had broken away from the routes. It was past noon when scenes of a more violent escalation started emerging from inside the capital at the ITO area where the police headquarters are located. In a face-off between the farmers and the security forces, farmers broke down barricades put up in the heart of the city and chased away policemen while riding their tractors. Police fired tear gas shells from footover bridges and buses functioning as road blockades were vandalized at ITO. In the wake of the clashes, the Delhi Metro Rail Corporation shut the entry and exit points at several metro stations. One of the protesters died at ITO reportedly after his tractor overturned. Many farmers, however, have been claiming that he was killed during police firing. The police are yet to comment on this. After the clashes at the ITO area, protesters in large numbers began marching towards the iconic Red Fort. 
The farmers entered the lawns of the fort, climbed its ramparts and hoisted a Sikh religious flag on a mast outside. About 90 minutes later, the police baton charged the area and vacated the Red Fort premises. Meanwhile, the Union Home Ministry suspended internet till midnight at single border, Ghazipur border, Tikri, Mukarba Chowk and Nangloi areas of the capital. By late noon, the Samyukt Kisan Morcha or the umbrella body of farmer groups called off the rally, asking participants to return to the protest sites at the Delhi borders. The group also said that anti-social elements had infiltrated the otherwise peaceful movement. According to an NDTV report, a high-profile meeting was held yesterday in the afternoon where Union Home Minister Amit Shah met with Home Secretary Ajay Bhalla, Delhi Police Commissioner SN Srivastava and other officials to take stock of the security situation. Post the meeting, Shah ordered deployment of paramilitary forces in the capital. Besides, Punjab and Haryana governments yesterday issued high alerts in their respective states following the Republic Day violence. In developments from today, the Delhi police has detained around 200 protesters on charges of rioting, damaging public property and attacking its personnel in connection with yesterday's rally. The police have registered 22 FIRs in the matter so far. The registered FIRs mention the names of at least 10 farmer leaders, including Yogendra Yadav and Rakesh Tiket. The police also said that more than 300 police personnel were injured, most of them during the clashes at ITO and Red Fort. A plea was filed in the Supreme Court seeking the formation of a committee to review the violence that broke out yesterday. Farmer leaders have expressed that yesterday's violence marked the peaceful farmers' agitation. Bharatiya Kisan Union spokesperson Rakesh Tiket said that protesters who were responsible for Tuesday's violence will have to pay for their deeds. On the hoisting of the Sikh religious flag at the Red Fort, he added that this was not a movement of Sikhs but of farmers. He also alleged in a statement that the Delhi police had wrongly placed barricades at some of the pre-planned routes of the rally. Kisan Mazdoor Sangharsh Committee member S.S. Pandher alleged that unidentified miscreants had tried to defame the farmers' movement by joining yesterday's protests. He said, and I quote, We did not plan to unfurl the flags at the Red Fort. That was not our program. Unquote. Several farmer bodies have blamed actor Deep Sidhu and gangster-turned-activist Lakha Sidhana for the violence at the Red Fort. Dear listeners, since the early hours of yesterday, our team of journalists were reporting from the various points of the Farmers' Tractor Rally. While my colleagues Nidhi and Aditya were on the single border side, my other colleagues Basant and Tahir were on the Ghazipur route and later at ITO. As the day progressed, all of our reporters reached the Red Fort where the last events of the Tractor Rally unfolded. You can find their video reports on our social media handles. Please do like, retweet and share. Also, do read my colleague Nidhi's latest report from yesterday's rally, where she speaks to several farmers who drove the tractors on how and why the events of yesterday transpired. It is titled, You Cannot Unsee Us, Driving with Farmers During the Tractor Rally. VK Sasikala, the expelled AIADMK leader and a former aide of late Tamil Nadu Chief Minister JJ Lalita, was released today after spending four years in a Bengaluru jail in a corruption case. According to an NDTV report, she will, however, remain at the Victoria Hospital for four to five days as she is being treated for COVID-19. A huge crowd of her supporters received her with fanfare outside the hospital, raising slogans and distributing sweets. Sasikala's release came on the same day when the Tamil Nadu Chief Minister K. Palani Swami inaugurated a 79 crore rupee memorial dedicated to Jai Lalita along Chennai's Marina Beach. Sasikala was convicted in 2017 in a disproportionate assets case. She was released today after paying a fine of 10 crore rupees. In the over two-decade-old case, Jailalita was also accused of colluding with her relatives and Sasikala between 1991 and 1996. 
The four had allegedly amassed around 65 crore rupees, which was not concurrent to their known sources of income. Dear listeners, please consider this a trigger warning as the following news story contains graphic details of physical violence. Two women in Andhra Pradesh were allegedly murdered by their parents who were arrested yesterday by the state's police. The police are suspecting that the crime was linked to occult practices. The two sisters, aged 27 and 23, were allegedly bludgeoned to death with a dumbbell at their home in Chittur district. The incident took place on Sunday night. When the police arrived on the scene, the parents claimed that they could revive the women. The deputy superintendent of police said that both the parents of the victims are highly educated. He added that the father is a professor of chemistry, while the mother identifies herself as a gold medalist postgraduate in mathematics who was working at an IIT coaching institute. The official further added that the couple may have performed a ritual before the murders. He said that the sisters were dressed in red saris and their parents were delusional. The family's neighbours claimed that the women were made to circle around their house for a ritual. The parents are alleged to have believed that their daughters were possessed by an evil spirit. According to a report by the Hindu, the couple claimed to the police that unseen forces had instructed them to kill their daughters. The police have said that both the suspects are under observation and further action will be taken based on whether they require any treatment for psychological disorders. FIRs were filed against three Uttar Pradesh journalists today for airing a news report on school children allegedly exercising in cold weather conditions at government functions without adequate winter wear. The FIR was launched by a Basic Shiksha Adhikari or BSA, an official who takes care of primary education in government schools. The BSA accused the journalists of threatening him. He also alleged that the journalists were not even present at the event, which was organised on Sunday to mark Uttar Pradesh's Foundation Day. The journalists in Kanpur City were booked for criminal intimidation and public mischief. Visuals from the event showed the children dressed in summer uniforms while performing yogasans. The guests present at the event, meanwhile, were seen in warm clothes. The BSA, who filed the complaint, claimed that the children were made to remove their winter uniform to perform the exercises. According to a Hindustan Times report, Amit Singh, one of the journalists named in the FIR, said that there could be no justification for making children do yoga in inadequate clothing in the cold. He added that the authorities could have been more cautious. Dear listeners, if you think such incidents of curbs on the press freedom of journalists covering issues of public interest are a new phenomenon, you are quite mistaken. India's current ranking in the World Press Freedom Index is 142 out of 180 countries. According to the recently published Global Impunity Index by CPJ, 36 journalists have been killed in our country since 1992 and out of these, only two cases have actually seen convictions. The double standards of the government when it comes to issues of press freedom are clearer than ever before. News Laundry has been consistently covering incidents of trespasses against the press freedom of journalists. I urge you to head to the media section of newslaundry.com after listening to this podcast. There you will find reports of how journalists have been arrested and even assaulted in the recent years for doing their job. You will also find our extensive coverage of news organizations sacking journalists during the course of the pandemic and even before it hit us. In fact, we even faced a lawsuit from the Sakal Media Group, which is run by a powerful politically connected family. This was because we reported on how they sacked their employees in the middle of the pandemic, despite government directors that said otherwise. We recently also saw another legal notice from the Times Group because, well, some self-declared towering news personalities took offence to what we said about them in our weekly satire show. We are faced with all of this because we are doing our job as a media critique news platform. However, come what may, we shall remain undaunted because our saving grace and our biggest strength are our precious subscribers. 
And this is why we can bring you stories that matter with zero advertisements and without pushing any agendas. So go to newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button on the top right corner of the website and pay to keep news free. And now for some international COVID updates. The number of confirmed coronavirus cases around the world has crossed 100 million. Out of these, at least 2.16 million people have lost their lives to COVID-19. According to a new forecast, most poor countries will not achieve mass COVID-19 immunization until at least 2024, and some may never even get there. Based on an analysis from the Economist Intelligence Unit, countries like the UK, US, Israel and those in the European Union will probably achieve widespread vaccination coverage by late 2021. They will be followed by other developed countries in the middle of 2022 and then the most middle-income countries by the end of that year. However, the report said that 84 of the world's poorest countries will not receive enough doses to sufficiently immunize their populations until 2023. U.S. President Joe Biden has announced that his administration was nearing a deal with Pfizer and Moderna to secure an additional 200 million doses of coronavirus vaccines by the end of summer. The German government is discussing reducing the number of flights entering Germany to almost zero in an effort to prevent mutant COVID variants from spreading the country. Australia, on the other hand, recorded the 10th straight day of no new local cases, allowing its most populous state of New South Wales to relax restrictions. Meanwhile, more than 400 Austrian survivors of the Holocaust, mostly in their 80s and 90s, will be getting their first vaccine shot today at Vienna's largest vaccination centre in the Austrian capital's convention centre. That's all for today. Have a great day or a good night, depending on where you're listening from. See you tomorrow. All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.